Well, today, as has been mentioned, is Jim's and Cadets Sunday. You were greeted uh, by the young men and young women as you entered into the sanctuary today. Uh, they ushered you to your seats. They took the offering. They have participated in the worship service. And uh, our members and regular attenders are surprised by none of this. This is an annual uh, thing that is done at this church to, to celebrate this ministry. But if you're visiting with us today, just want to give you a little bit of an understanding of what is happening. So Jim's is an acronym that stands for Girls Everywhere Meeting the Savior. And uh, GEMS is a discipleship ministry here at Emmanuel uh, for girls in third grade through eighth grade. Uh, but it also is an outreach ministry of our church as well. Uh, in fact, most of the young women who come to GEMS are from the community. And, and some of them do go to other churches, but uh, many of them are unchurched as well. And the Cadets is a similar ministry. It's for boys ages uh, 3rd grade through 8th grade. And so uh, the best way of kind of explaining really quickly what gyms and cadets are is it's Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts meets intentional Christian discipleship. Uh, and so today is the day of the year where we celebrate these ministries. We remember God's faithfulness to our children um, and His uh, providing this way for them to grow in their faith and their knowledge of the Lord. Uh, while also growing in relationships with each other and with the leaders that God has given uh, to these ministries. And incidentally, I just want to take a moment and just thank the leaders uh, because the time and the effort and the prayers uh, and the sweat that you pour into this ministry is not to be taken for granted. And so if you see one of these leaders today after church, please stop and uh, and let them know uh, how much you appreciate um, all that they've done uh, to, to keep these ministries going and to be as fruitful as they are. Uh, and so for the sermon this morning, uh, this is an opportunity uh, for us to highlight the themes uh, of these ministries uh, this past year. And so for the gyms, as we mentioned earlier in the service, their theme is Kingdom Girl. And a Kingdom Girl is simply a daughter of the king. She is... Uh, a beloved child of God who is precious to God simply because uh, she belongs to the family of God. The theme for the cadets this year has been God's in control. And we all know that we live in a world where virtually everything is out of our control. And to be reminded throughout the year that uh, God is in control is a very comforting reality. So taken together, these themes actually hit on big questions that we're all asking. Does God love me? Am I really part of his family? Is God really going to take care of me? So it's not just third grade boys through eighth grade girls who are asking these questions. These are questions that every single one of us ask through the ebbs and flows and ups and downs of our entire life here on this earth. And so both of these questions are addressed in our passage this morning. So this time let's open up to Ephesians chapter 1. Uh, that's page number 1817 of the Pew Bibles. And we're going to look at verses 1 through 14 this morning. Again, that's Ephesians chapter 1 beginning in uh, page number 1,817. And we're, we're going to read verses 1 through 14. 
Hear the word of the Lord. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to the saints in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in, ev- in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, God predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves In Christ we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. And he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfillment to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. In Christ we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having believed, you were marked in Christ with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. This is the word of the Lord. So Paul begins this passage with a a typical introduction uh, that he has in most letters. And there's enough packed into this introduction that we could preach an entire sermon on it. But what I want us to see from the introduction this morning before we jump in here is that who he's writing to. Paul says in verse 1 that he's writing to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. And so when we hear that word holy, uh, we think of purity. We think of uh, being undefiled or set apart, right? Somebody who is holy is somebody who is sacred and they're distinct. And yet Paul is writing to this church full of people exactly like you and me. And he calls every single one of them God's holy people. Why? Why does he do that? Well, in the very next uh, line he says, They are the faithful in Christ Jesus. And when you and I hear that word faithful, usually we think of dependable, right? Somebody who is faithful is somebody that you can count on and you can depend on. But that's not what Paul has in mind here. What Paul really has in mind is somebody who is full of faith. Somebody who who exudes faith. We could actually translate this to God's holy people in Ephesus who believe in Christ Jesus. I point this out because as we go on this morning, we're going to see a lot of we's and us's in this passage. 
In verse 3 and 4 alone, Paul talks about how God has blessed us and chose us and predestined us and later how we have redemption. And so someone might read this and think that he's talking to anyone who happens to read this letter, but he's not. Everything Paul says here, all of the the wonderful realities and the blessings that he is praising God for in this passage are realities and blessings that belong to those who believe in Christ Jesus. Only a girl who believes in Christ Jesus is a kingdom girl. We know we are a daughter of the king when we entrust our life to the king. Only a boy who believes in Christ Jesus can trust in and take comfort in the fact that God is in control. And so as we proceed through this passage this morning, as we, as we bask in the glow of all these wonderful blessings that God gives to his people in Jesus, I want us to remember that we receive these wonderful blessings by simply putting our faith in Jesus. When we believe that in Jesus, these blessings are ours. Also, As we go through all of these wonderful truths this morning, if you find yourself wondering if these blessings are yours, and if if you really want and desire for these blessings to belong to you, I, I want you to know that they are not for the spiritually elite. These blessings can belong to anyone at any time in the midst of any sin or failure who will simply receive them through what Jesus has done for sinners. They are offered to everyone as a gift. So here's our outline this morning. First, we're going to look at what are the spiritual blessings in Christ. And then we're going to look at how does one receive them. And then finally, why does God give them? Now, ordinarily what I would do is I would go through under point one and I would give us all of the blessings. Then in point two, I would talk about all the way those blessings are received, etc. But what I want to do this morning is I want to take the first blessing and I want to show how we receive that blessing, and then why God gives that blessing. And then we'll move on to the next blessing, and we'll talk about what it is, and how we receive it, and why God gives it. Okay? Is everybody, is, that, is it okay if I change up the normal way of doing things? Okay. So just, just, to, be, just to make sure we're all on the same page of what's, what's about to happen here. So starting in verse 3, uh, Paul launches into one of the greatest expressions of praise found in the entire Bible. Uh, In this verse, Paul tells us what he's doing, and then he gives an outline for what he's about to say. He says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. So God, who is the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, is worthy of praise. Why? Because he has blessed us. He has blessed everyone who believes in Jesus with every spiritual blessing that heaven has to offer. So these aren't earthly blessings. This isn't riches and and power and prestige, right? These are all heavenly blessings. And all these blessings belong to those who are in Christ. Now you may have noticed when we read through this passage that uh, some form of the phrase in Christ was repeated in virtually every single verse. It was either in Christ or in Him or through Jesus. And the reason that's so important it's because so many times what we do as Christians, and, and every one of us does this, is we confuse the benefits of being in Christ with what it is to be in Christ. So th- this is a, a doctrine that I don't really want to like 
spend all of our sermon explaining this morning, but I want us to have a, a basic understanding of it as, as we go through here. So what happens when we believe the gospel is what we receive is Jesus. As soon as we put our faith in him, he is ours and we are his. We are united to him. So we are in Jesus and Jesus is in us. And that union, that relationship with Jesus, that's the thing that saves us. And then all of the blessings that Paul's about to list here are all the blessings that flow out of being united to Christ. All the benefits, all the benefits of being a Christian, those are all secondary to this initial primary thing that happens of us being united to Christ by faith. And so, so keep that in mind as we go through here and you hear that phrase repeated over and over again. So, what are the spiritual blessings that belong to those who are in Christ? Well, the first blessing uh, to those who are in Christ is that God chose us. Our becoming a Christian in the first place was something that God decided to do before he even created the world. So verse 4 says this, For he, God, chose us in Christ before the creation of the world. So do you know what this means? It means no one places their faith in the life and death and resurrection of Jesus by accident. It means before God created the world, he knew you and he loved you. And he knew you were going to be born a sinner, hating him by nature. But because he loved you so much, Jesus was willing to come to this earth, live a perfect life for you that you're required to live. And he was willing to suffer and die the death that you deserve to die all in your place. And all of this was decided by God before he even created the world. It means the fact that at some point in time you decided to put your faith in Jesus was never in question. That was also decided by God before he created the world. And so when he opens up our eyes in time to show us how sinful we are and that he is holy and perfect and good and that we have rebelled against his goodness and we deserve punishment and death, but that Jesus paid the price on the cross for us in our place. When God opens up our eyes to see how much he loves us and all that he's done for us, we cannot help but turn to him. Because that kind of love is irresistible. So God's not actually making us do anything. When God chooses us, he just decides to take the veil off our eyes for us to see how wonderful he is. And when he does that for someone, it's impossible to resist his love because his love is perfect. This also means that when Jesus was dying on the cross, he was dying for you. He wasn't dying for this large, unidentified group of people just hoping that maybe one of them would see what he did and they'd be like, oh yeah, that's great. No, he was dying with you in mind. He was dying purposefully because he loved you from before the foundation of the world and he wanted to save you. That's how much he loves you and has always loved you. So how does someone receive this blessing? Well, Paul tells us, he says, in love, 
He predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with the pleasure, with his pleasure and will. So you actually do nothing to receive this blessing. When you believe, when you put your faith in the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus for the full forgiveness of your sins, that is just the expected outcome of the fact that you have always been chosen and you did nothing to make that happen. As many of you know, my youngest daughter is adopted. And one day, um, she's going to realize that she was made a part of our family in a different way than her brothers and her sister. And because she's adopted, she's going to realize in a very unique way that it could have been different. She is not an Anthony by nature. She's an Anthony because God chose for her to be a part of our family through adoption. And so in the same way, you and I are not children of God by nature. Later in this same letter to the Ephesians, Paul will say that we were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. We were not naturally children of God. No one is a kingdom girl by nature. No one is born a daughter of the king. So the fact that we believe in Jesus and that we are children of God is something that could have been different. He didn't have to choose us. He could have let us go and pay the penalty for our own sins forever like the rest of mankind deserves. Paul also says that we receive this blessing in accordance with the pleasure, with his pleasure and will. So we don't receive this blessing by our will. We receive it at the pleasure of his will. He loves us just because it pleased him to love us. There's nothing lovely about us because we were by nature children of wrath, born hating God. Now, not every non-Christian experiences actual hatred toward God. They're indifferent to God. Most non-Christians just don't even think about God. And yet God is the one who gave them life. God is the one who gave them breath. And so indifference towards God is actually almost the worst kind of hatred. And that's how we're born. But because God predestined us for adoption, when we come awake to the reality that we were chosen by God in Christ before the creation of the world, it will be like when my daughter realizes that she is adopted. She's going to realize that something life-changing and life-defining that could have been different happened for her before she had any part in it. Just because it pleased God to make her part of our family. And so when we put our faith in Jesus, we do so because God has already done something for us in the past simply because he wanted to, because he's always loved us, because it brings him pleasure to love us. So why has God given us this blessing? Well, Paul gives two reasons. First, that we would be holy and blameless in his sight. And second, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. So God shows us in Christ before the foundation of the world for the purpose of making us holy and blameless. So those who put their faith in Jesus will become more and more dissatisfied with their sin and walk away from it. Those who believe in Jesus will hunger and thirst 
for righteousness. We will love God's law and delight in it more and more because our goal in life will be to please him. And all of this is to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us, and there's that term again, in Jesus. Now grace, as many of you know, is God's undeserved favor. We were by nature children of wrath, and God, because of his glorious grace, his undeserved favor, according to the pleasure of his will, chose to adopt us into his family, and he did this to make us holy, that he would receive the glory and the praise for saving us, and causing us to love him, and to live as he calls us to live. Because the reason he gets all the praise for that is because you and I would never do that on our own. It requires a miraculous, powerful movement of God in our lives. Okay, the next spiritual blessing that Paul gives us, uh, we find in verse 7. Paul says this, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. So to redeem something means you pay the price for it. And uh, this word here is connected to slavery. Uh, In the Greek and Roman world, if you wanted to free a slave, you would have to pay the ransom price to redeem that slave. And that's the idea that Paul has in mind here. Since we are sinners who are born hating God and are children of wrath by nature, we're in slavery to sin and death, and the ransom price that God pays to redeem us from slavery is the blood of his perfect son. So who does Jesus pay the ransom price to? Well, Paul actually tells us. He says, in Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. See, God is the one we have rebelled against. God is the one that we owe our debt of sin to. And through the blood of Jesus, God's justice is satisfied. And then God forgives that debt, and he frees us from slavery to sin. So in this, God literally pours out his grace on us. Grace, as we said, is undeserved favor. And God has an infinite supply of grace, which is what Paul means when he talks about the riches of God's grace. And God's justice is satisfied because Jesus pays the penalty for our sins. And then God is the one showing us mercy and kindness because Jesus is God. It's not like like, um, Jesus is trying to get God to change his mind. Remember, God is the one who chose us in love before the foundation of the world. God is the one who sent Jesus, who is also God, to come and to live and die a perfect life in our place and save us from our sins. And God in Christ willingly suffered for our sin. And God pours out his grace on us by blessing us with redemption through his blood and forgives all of our sins. So how does someone receive this blessing? Well, Paul tells us, he says, With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will. So we receive this blessing the moment he opens our eyes to the fact that it's ours. In his infinite wisdom and understanding, at just the right time in our life, he opens our eyes to the mystery of his will for us. And this word mystery just means something that was hidden and has now been revealed. Right? It's not like it's still a mystery. 
It was his will to redeem us from slavery to sin and death through the blood of Jesus. And we receive this blessing the moment he opens our eyes to the fact that it's ours. Notice so far. And all of these blessings, we do nothing. He is the one who chose us. He is the one who opens our eyes to understand what Jesus has done for us on the cross. So why has God given us this blessing? Well, Paul goes on. According to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. So again, like with the previous blessing we talked about, God has redeemed us from slavery to sin and death for his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ. And so the answer to why is simply because God wanted to. God loves you because God loves you. And actually, there would be no other answer that could be satisfying. Because if there were anything in you, any reason in us why God chose us, then what happens if that reason changed? But because God loves us because of something in Him that He has decided, that actually gives us the greatest assurance that His love will never leave us And that no matter what, he will always love us. Because God chose us and wanted to choose us. Jesus suffered on the cross because he loved us and wanted to redeem us from slavery to sin and death. And because he's working out a plan. He has times in mind and he has a plan to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. And we don't see this now. Right now we see wars and rumors of wars and famine and disease and death and sadness. But one day, one day we will see everything in heaven and on earth come together under Christ. The next blessing Paul talks about is in verse 11. Paul says, in him we were also chosen. Now wait a minute. Didn't we already do this blessing? Wasn't this the first blessing that we talked about this morning? And here we run across one of those instances in the Bible where we have a word that is very, very difficult to translate. And so I'm going to to do my best to unpack uh, why uh, the NIV chose to translate this chosen. So this word uh, means to appoint by lot. So if we go back and we look at the word chosen back in verse 4, that's just the standard Greek word that that just means chosen. It it has a a very good one-to-one translation right from Greek right into English. But this word, this word means to appoint by lot. And this word was typically used uh, in, in terms of like an inheritance. So just imagine if, you know... You know, this person has a business, they have a bank account, and, you know, homes and possessions. And what they decide to do is put their three kids' names into a hat, and they pull it out. Okay, Susie, you're going to get the bank account. Okay, Bill, you're going to get the, um, uh, you know, the, the house. And, and uh, Johnny, you're going to get the business, right? And so the inheritance in that instance would have been appointed to the heirs by lot. Does that make sense? Okay. So... Because that's how this word was typically always used, we could translate this, in him also, you were appointed as an inheritance by lot. But if we translate it that way, the next question is, well, who are we an inheritance for? 
And the answer is, we are God's inheritance. See, in Christ, we were appointed as God's inheritance by lot. But since God is the one who decides the outcome of every single lot, God is the one who decides the outcome of every single roll of the dice, He's the one who decides the outcome of every name we pull out of the hat. In reality, God is the one who chose us. Which is why the NIV chose to translate this simply, in Him also we were chosen. Are you with me? Does that make sense? Okay, but to translate it that way, we miss this whole idea of inheritance, right? It sounds like Paul's just being redundant with what he said back in verse 4. But this idea that we are God's inheritance, right? This is, this is more than just being chosen. This is, this is telling us that we are God's treasured possession. We are his inheritance. Later in chapter 1, this is where we took our... Um, prayer for the children when we dismiss them today. Paul says this, he says, having the eyes of your heart enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance and the saints. See, we are God's inheritance. God accomplishes salvation so that he might receive us as his. So how do we receive this wonderful blessing? Paul tells us, he says, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. You see, he predestined us to be his inheritance. And this, is, <clears throat> this has always been his plan. And his plans always come about because he works everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. There's nothing that God doesn't decide to do that he doesn't do. So, when Paul says that God works everything out in the conf- to the conformity of his will, what's he talking about there? He's talking about everything. There are no accidents. There are no coincidences. There are no tragedies or joys in our life that he is not working out for his purposes And all his purposes, and all his purpose is, that he said here, is to make his people his. God has not only chosen us to be his inheritance and to redeem us from slavery to sin and death by the blood of Jesus, but he has ordained all things that ever happened in this life to accomplish that purpose. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. That means our personal struggle with sin, God has ordained that for his purpose, right? Our sorrows, our failures, our disappointments, our goodness, our joys, our success, right? The God who loved us since before he created the world is working out all of history to save us and bring glory to himself. And so when we go through hard times, we can know that it has a purpose and that God is in control of it and that he can be trusted because he loves us so much that he redeemed us through the blood of Jesus. And why is he doing this? Verse 12. In order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. 
He does all of this for the praise of his glory. Our final blessing comes from verse 13. Paul says, When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession. So not only have we been chosen by God before the foundation of the world, not only have we been redeemed from slavery to sin and forgiven of all of our sins through his blood, and not only are we God's inheritance that he appointed for himself, but when we believe, we are marked in Christ with a seal. And that word seal is like a signature. When we believe, God signs his name to us guaranteeing that we belong to him. He guarantees that one day we will experience the fullness of everything that Christ has earned for us. Paul says it this way in Romans. He says, The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. So in one sense, we have been redeemed, but in another sense, we're still waiting for full redemption. We are waiting and groaning because we are sinners who doubt and struggle and fear and our experience of faith comes and goes. I don't know about you, but my faith never comes and goes. But my awareness of it, the the depth and breadth of it, it shrinks and grows depending on what's going on. We doubt God's love for us. We doubt that we are sons and daughters of the King. We doubt that a good and loving God chose us and then came and died for us in the person of Jesus Christ. We doubt that he is really in control. And so he gives us his spirit to seal that promise to us, to testify with our spirit that all these wonderful blessings are really ours. He's he's branded us like a dairyman brands a cow. So when we see that mark, we remember and know that we are his This is what baptism is pointing to, right? Baptism is a sign of this seal. This is why baptism assures us when we see a baptism up here, when we remember our own baptism, we are assured that when we believed, we were marked by the Holy Spirit. And through this, we know one day we will receive our full inheritance. So the moment God opened our eyes to the mystery of his will for us in Christ, in that very moment, he sealed us. So how do we receive this blessing? Well, interestingly enough, this is the first blessing that we actually do something. Paul says this, he says, And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal the promised Holy Spirit. So this is how it all happens. This is how all these wonderful blessings come into our life. We simply hear the message of truth, the gospel, or the good news of our salvation, and we believe. And to to believe simply means to receive and to rest in everything that Christ has done for sinners. We hear that Jesus paid the ransom price for our sin with his blood. We hear that forgiveness of sins is offered to us in his name. And then we believe that that is true, not just for somebody else, but for me. 
And in that moment, we are sealed with the Holy Spirit. God opens our eyes to understand the mystery of his will. And we see that we have always belonged to him, that we are his inheritance, his treasured possession since before he created the world, and that it could have been different. Because we are children of wrath by nature. He, he could have decided not to choose us. But instead of letting us go as we deserve, he predestined us for adoption. Why? Paul closes this passage simply by saying, to the praise of his glory. The ultimate purpose. So God receives the greatest praise for saving sinners and transforming us to be holy and blameless before him. He takes sinners like us who are dead in sin, rebels, haters of God. He redeems us from sin, makes us his children who love him and who desire to obey his commands. And then he gives us his Holy Spirit to assure us that this is true. Because he loves us. And he's always loved us. And it brings him pleasure to love us. So Jim's. When you put your faith in Jesus, when you believe in him and that all these blessings are yours in Christ, not only will you be a daughter of the king, but you will know that you will always have been. Cadets, when you put your faith in Jesus, when you believe in him and that all these blessings are yours in Christ, you can rest assured that God is in control the God who loves you and shows you is also the God that is working out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful for all of the benefits that are ours through union with Christ. By simply hearing what he has done for us and what you have done in him, and receiving those truths, believing those promises by that simple act of belief. All of these blessings are ours. We can never lose these blessings because they were chosen by God who cannot change when he created the world or before he created the world. So we, God, with Paul and with the church throughout history, want to praise you and praise your glory for what you have done for us that we do not deserve. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.